Hey, everybody. I am Stephanie Goss, and this is another episode of the Uncharted Podcast. Today's episode is brought to us by our friends at Simple Texting. And I love this because Simple Texting believes that better care starts with better communication. And today's episode is all about better communication. Andy and I got a letter in the mailbag from a practice manager colleague who is wondering what they can do at their practice to support the next generation of pet owners. And very sadly, Andy and I realized that we are old AF because we are not talking about Gen Xers. We are also not talking about millennials because they're old too. We are talking about Gen Z and maybe even the generation that comes after Gen Z and what we can do to lean into communicating and meeting them where they are at. We want to take into account all the different styles of communication that our clients, regardless of generation, want to use. This was a fun episode because I definitely ran wide with the ideas on technology and Andy had a little bit more of a reserved approach. But as we usually do, we've managed to find some middle ground. So let's get into this. And now, the Uncharted Podcast. And we are back. It's me, Dr. Andy Rourke, and the one and only Stephanie, do you speak of my language, God? <laughs> and she going, just Andy? giggled and gave me a Vegemite sandwich, <laughs> God. Oh, I am not a Vegemite fan. <laughs> I Yeah, I think I've had it one time. I think it's an Australian thing. I, I don't even know where you find it. It is. <laughs> But every but every kid of the eighties knows exactly what a Vegemite sandwich is, <laughs> at least in concept. Oh, true story. How's it going? Oh man, it's good. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. So <laughs> I took I took Hannah to. Uh, I'm hoping that she'll run cross country over the summer, right? So they've got they've got cross country practice. Okay. So so here's why. So there's a, there's a backstory here. I remember when I was a young doctor, I was working in Washington, D.C., and I'll never forget this family. I don't know why they stuck in my head. It's because I, they had a sick pet. I don't even remember the pet or what they were what it was sick about, but it was an ongoing case. And I saw this family multiple times over like a two-week period. And every time I saw the family, it was the, it was the, the father, the, wife, or the, the father, the mother, and the three daughters. And every time I saw any of them, they were decked out in full running gear, like they were ready to take flight. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like windbreakers, you know, uh-huh. short, like all of them in different levels of like warm up suit, but all like as if like I, I felt like their clothes were breakaway, like I could just snatch them off and run. <laughs> they always had running shoes on, like they were 100% dressed to run away uh-huh. right now. Okay. And I said to the father at one point, and I, Jacqueline was probably like two years old at this point. And, and I said, I said something to him like, yeah, you know, it's great that your whole family's into running. And he was like, yeah. And I said, you know, I have, I have a daughter. And he's like, let me tell you something. Get them into running. <laughs> and they're too tired to be interested in boys. And I don't know that that's true. But in my head, somewhere, some part of me was like, write this down, Andy. And so I, <laughs> Hannah is my, is my girl with attitude. And so I'm kind of like, well, you know. Like, it's, I don't know about boys, but uh, she'll be less bad if she's exhausted, uh, is what I think. And so anyway, I've got it in my head I, I, just from a long time that this is a good thing that Hannah would do and, and uh-huh. that she could be good at. And so I've wanted to get her into cross country and and she's in she's just finished the sixth grade. And so she's going to the seventh grade next year. And so the coach, uh, the the middle school coach 
has reached out. And so she texted me and said, hey, this is Coach Connolly. Uh, Hannah's, Hannah's a great runner. Uh, we're doing cross country, and I really think she should check it out. It's at the high school. Okay. And so I said, okay, you know, we'll go to the, it's, it's the parents information meeting. Bring your kids. Sure. And so she says, you should go. And also tell Hannah, I'm going to be involved with the girls team, but just make sure she knows that. And I'm like, okay, that's kind of a, uh, I, I'll tell her, you know, okay. So anyway, so I go, so we go to the information gathering and we get there and it's at the high school and Hannah's going into the seventh grade. And so this is real intimidating. And we get there and there's three coaches that present themselves, not the female coach from middle school. It's the quintessential, if Saturday Night Live did a sketch with football coaches, it'd be these guys. You know what I mean? Like two of them in their 60s and one of them in his 20s. And they've all got, you know, thumbs in belt loops, like uh-huh. rocking back on their feet. The young one looked like he could run. The other two have not run in a long time. I'm confident. And they're... It, and they, they start to have this coach, this informational meeting. Sure. And Stephanie, it was the strangest informational meeting I've ever seen. It wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't like this meeting could have been an email. I think it could have been an email. But the most infuriating thing was this, this could have been a 10-minute meeting, but it wasn't. It was an hour. <laughs> oh, geez. Because the head coach would like to tell stories. Sure. And so he was telling stories. And so at one point, we're sitting there in the bleachers, Hannah's seventh grade, uh, there's like 12th grade boys around, you know, um, this is, this is a tense thing. I'm right. like, Hey, I'm like, baby, everything's cool. This is going to be good. <laughs> like, just, just stay with me. Just check this out. It's going to be fine. And the guy is just going through the handout they gave to the parents. He's like, yeah, you know, we got to have a waiver. Cause you know, things happen, you know, we're not, I mean, we're not going to let anything bad happen when the kids have to run beside the road, but you know, they're not going to get by a car. <laughs> Except one time, there was a kid who got hit by a car. And they're like, he's telling us at the informational meeting. He's like, there was a kid that got hit by a car. And so all the parents get real quiet. And he goes, he goes, really, it's a good story. He says, he says, says, there's this kid, Jimmy. And Jimmy is out. And this is why the meeting took an hour, because he just kept going. He was like, there's this kid, Jimmy. And Jimmy is out. And he's running. And he was kind of a knucklehead. And so he's a knucklehead. And he's running by, by the side of the road. And he's not paying attention to where he's going. And there's this woman. And she pulled up at the stoplight. And she's sitting in a stoplight. And she's just minding her business. And the car's at a full stop. And Jimmy just runs into the side of her car. Wasn't looking. Just came right off the sidewalk. (laughs) Ran right into her car. And that wouldn't have been bad. Except the windows were down because it was a nice day. And knucklehead Jimmy just bust right through the window. He went bang into her car. His head goes into the window. She thinks she's being carjacked because he screamed when he ran into her car. And so she punches the gas and runs through the red light with Jimmy hanging out the window. And everybody's, everyone's sitting there just wide-eyed staring at this informational session about why you should send your seventh grade daughter to cross country. And the whole meeting went that way. Like that was just one example of where the meeting went wildly off the rails. And as soon as it was over, I got a text from Coach Connolly saying, don't leave. Don't leave. Let's, it's not going to like, I, it's not that way. It's not going to be that way. I, I promise. I promise your child will not get hit by a car. I promise. I will be the girls coach. I will be there. And so, oh my gosh, (laughs) uh, the jury's still out on whether or not we're going to do cross country uh, this year. 
<laughs> I was going to say, what was Hannah's reaction after sitting through the hour of that? <laughs> Hannah, yeah. She, she's she, a kid who will tell you how it is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. She was basically, she basically said those guys are scary. She was yeah. like, those guys are scary. And uh, yeah, and that's it. That was funny. You know, it, 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 it affects, it affects some of my thinking here too is, you know, so, so it was right as school was ending. And so she saw coach Connolly the next day and the coach came up to her and said, Hey, I really think you should do this. Uh, I, I really think your friend should do it as well and do it, do it with you. And so, sure. you know, I kind of reached out to the parents of the, of the best friend and were like, Hey, do you guys want to do this over the summer? And maybe they can just drop in and do some of these running practices and see what they think. And, and, and when the other, when the other kid got on board and Hannah wasn't alone, I think she, right. she's come around to like, yeah, you know, this might be a thing that we can do together. But, um, it was just funny. It was just, it was obviously really important to both of the girls that this, this female, coach, you know, who's, who's young and energetic and positive, right. uh, right. be there. And it's just, it's just really interesting is to look at my daughter and see the effect that these sort of guys who I'm sure are really nice guys, you know what right. I mean? Like I, I am sure they are really nice guys, but they're not, they don't present necessarily a welcoming facade to a 12 year old girl, right. you know, um, right. And so just that, the importance of having this younger coach there was, was really big. I wish she'd been more involved in the program, you right. know, even even just from a representation standpoint of just being there and standing up with the guys. And I might I might say, say that to her, uh, you know, at some point, because she did, she was there, but then she just kind of disappeared into the background and she sort of right. sat with the parents. And right. anyway, it's just, I, I think you never understand the politics that are what are, go, what are going on. And I think she wants to be involved. I suspect she's she's new and getting going. But I, anyway, it's, it's just been, it's really been just sort of interesting and in thinking about that and what makes people want to be a part of things and, and, you know, how we, how we sort of present what we're doing. So I don't oh, know. It's, it's, uh, it's been an, it's been an interesting time. I don't think I care that much either way. I really don't, you know, because she's really young to be going and doing this, but I, um, boy, I'll never forget about knucklehead Jimmy running into that car <laughs> and the woman thinking she's being carjacked and punching it through the red light. Um, oh. oh man. Parenting, like nobody, nobody tells you how to do this stuff. Oh man, that's uh, that's pretty fantastic. <laughs> just another, just another day in high school sports. Oh man, well, I'm excited for our topic today. <laughs> speaking of high school, speaking of high school, um, not even high school at this point. So we had a great question in the mailbag that I'm super excited about discussing with you. So okay. uh, it was from someone who was asking about supporting younger client bases. So, um, you know, they were talking about how COVID has really kind of launched the majority of veterinary medicine, at least into the texting realm and how um, their clinic has been doing some online booking and they started doing some preventive care plans as a way to give a subscription model or payment options beyond the traditional ones. But they were saying that it feels like as an industry as a whole, we're almost always playing catch up. And so they were asking, how do we speak their language? Like, how do we focus on younger clients. And I think it's a great question for a whole bunch of reasons, least of which is that we know that younger pet owners, and it's so funny because this, I think it kind of says how behind the times we are in veterinary medicine, that when we talk about younger clients, we're still using millennials as the example. <laughs> <And> <laughs> millennials are 35. Yeah. Right? 
Yeah. And that's the thing is that I hate to break it to us all. <laughs> but millennials are old. <laughs> and so when we look at the makeup of pet owners, um, and all of the market research that is out there has nothing to do with veterinary medicine, but just pet ownership in general, Gen Z and uh, it is the fastest growing segment of the market when it comes to pet owners. And they have been for some time. And there are things that set millennials and Gen Z wildly apart from the generations that came before them. And so I thought it was a great question. And I'm, I'm really looking forward to, to going through it with you. Yeah, no, I'm. I always, I always like this stuff. Uh, I think this is. I think this is really interesting. I have, I have, um, I obviously, I, I like innovation. I like change, and so I have a lot mm-hmm. of, I have a lot of uh, exciting uh, feelings of excitement around that. And at the same time, I can be kind of crotchety, and <laughs> I can, I can be kind of crotchety. And you can be, uh, be a sixty-year-old track coach. <laughs> I can. I, I can loop my fingers through my belt rope and say, you know, one time. One time, I don't know about this whole Texan thing. At one point, <laughs> one of the coaches said, and I don't know if this is true or not. He said, if y'all look in the, it was the assistant coach. He goes, if y'all, and they refer to each other as coach. And so right. if y'all look in the, in the, in the, in the hand out there, you'll see uh, coach Daniels and you'll see a cell phone number. That's my cell phone number. Uh, you'll, you'll not see a cell phone number for coach. You know why? Cause coach doesn't have a cell phone. <laughs> I am his cell phone. And I was like, is that real? Does he really not have a cell phone? Or like, or are you setting boundaries to prevent people from texting the head coach? Uh, but the, looking at him, he might not have had a cell phone. And I'm like, I was just, I still, it's been, it's been a couple of days. And I'm like, does that man really not have a cell? I mean, it's possible. He just didn't. He just kind of smirked and rocked back on his heels. And if ever there was a man who didn't have a cell phone, it would have been that guy. So oh, I'm that's... like, I'm like, that's, that's ridiculous. And also I'm kind of into what you're doing there, buddy. I'm kind of into this. Oh, okay. So you can be kind of crotchety. Okay. So, so you're going to, you're not going to get a raw, raw technology lecture from me. I'll tell you that. You're going to get a weird mixture of enthusiasm and caution. Okay. Fair. <laughs> Oh so, yeah, that's that's what I, I'm doing. I will pick up my pom poms for us on the on the technology side. Yeah. Oh yeah. I know. I saw your notes, and I'm like, well, gosh, let's pump the brakes here. <laughs> this is gonna be this is gonna be one of those conversations, you know, where where your friend is so positive that you feel obligated to, to take the other side. Just we have to keep this in proportion here. That's gonna be me. All right. Fantastic. All right. <laughs> Okay, should we start so, with that? Should we start with headspace? Let's start with some headspace. All <laughs> okay. right, let's start with some headspace. So, All right. so I I appreciate this. I appreciate this letter a lot, and it is undeniable that the world is changing, and it is changing faster than it has ever changed before. I yes. mean, ever. I mean, I don't think. I mean, the industrial revolution did not cause us to move as fast as how we are changing right now with artificial intelligence. I use artificial intelligence today. Today, I took <laughs> handouts, right? Or I, I took, I took a um, bullet pointed outline of a presentation I'm going to be giving. And I was like, so I've got all bullet pointed out. That's all I've got is the bullet pointed outline. I put a lot of thoughts in this outline. I took that thing and ran it through ChatGPT and said, make me slides. And it was like, I'm a text thing. I can't make slides. But 
if I made you slides, here's what would be on them. And it just said, bam. And it said, and so then I took that slide, I copy and pasted, I dropped it into PowerPoint, just straight up dropped it in. Right. And then I hit their automated graphic design button. And voila, I've got a slide deck that's, you know, and it's beautiful. It's it's much better than what I used to make in old school. Po- like I had the old right. school PowerPoints that look like, you know, a middle schooler's project, <laughs> you know what I mean? With just solid color backgrounds and just what looks yeah. like five by seven pictures kind of laying next to some on text. Top. Yeah, on top. Like that's what I used to do. This thing is so far better than what I used to do. That's just today. It took me 12 minutes to do something that used to would have taken me an afternoon. Right. And the outcome is much better. And I'll tinker with it. But for the most part, it's done. And so, boy, that's and that's just happened in the last year. Right. And so anyway, things are changing like crazy. And the idea that we don't have to keep up, that's ridiculous. Right. The way we communicate is different. The way we use technology is different. Like change is a common and we need to be thinking about it. And I think our clients are absolutely going to expect us to be, I don't I don't think they expect us to be bleeding edge. I don't Mm-mm. think they expect us to be innovating. The truth is, I think about it as a consumer too, I don't want people asking me to download apps or you know register for weird stuff. I, I want you to only ask me to do things that are going to make my life more convenient. And um, technology for the sake of technology, I think is bad. However, our world is changing fast. And I like the fact that this is, an, this is a recognition of that, of given that the world is changing, what do we do? And so that's that's kind of my first part of Headspace is, you know what? Look around you. The world is not what it was 10 years ago, and it is getting faster in how it changes. So I think this is a worthwhile conversation. Do you agree? Oh, totally. Totally. It is. Uh, I, I also agree with their sentiment that we are behind the curve. And so I, I agree with you. Like, I don't think any I don't think any of our consumers even the ones who wish that we <laughs> that we would get more f- ahead than where we are, I don't think that they, by and large, want us to be cutting edge. I think, to your point, they just want it to be more convenient. Yeah. Well, and 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 cutting edge means so many things to so many different people. Right. I don't think people want us to be less human than we used to be. You know, I and I think that that's really important to people. I I don't believe that people are pushing. To necessarily to have less interaction with the healthcare team. Yeah, it was I funny. Would agree. Well, I was, you know, you and I were talking uh, with people on our team, and we were talking about paying for bills at restaurants. And somebody was saying, "I think we should have a tablet at the table, and you just do all of your transactions there, and you don't talk to the waiter or the waitstaff." Right. And, and I was just like, and I could see that. And another way, I was also kind of like, "Ooh, I don't like moving away from the human aspect." You know, yeah. like I, I don't like us not talking to each other as much. And at the same time paying on the tablet that's built into the table is probably a much faster uh, way to get things done. And also it's cheaper for the restaurant and like all those things. And so I I get it. I don't know that when we say get cutting edge, I, I, I think it's important to remember that I don't, that people don't want less human interaction with their veterinarian or vet team. I don't think. Yeah, no, I, I would agree. I would agree with that. So, yeah. Um, I think that, uh, I think that keeping up, is a process and not a destination. And I think that's important to remember too. I think a lot of people look at getting on board with technology like they used to look at having electronic medical records. Like, oh boy, this is a huge lift. But once we do it, then we'll be done. And I'm like, "Mm, 
I don't think this is ever going to end. And I think that that's a good headspace to get into is this is a process. Yeah. You know? Yeah, for sure. I don't think you're going to make it if you don't start with why. I think the idea that we need to embrace technology full stop. I don't think that's motivating enough to actually get it done for most practices and most people. I think the first part of this in a headspace is to say, why do we need to embrace technology? What are we accomplishing? And I think that that's a big thing in technology overall is a lot of times people are like, oh, we need to upgrade because upgrades exist. Right. And and that's this is the crotchety Andy is going... (laughs) I don't, I mean, I don't know that you just be, just because you could do something in a more fancy way. Right. To me, that doesn't mean by itself that you should do it in a more fancy way. You know? Yes. I, I would actually agree with that. And I, (laughs) I think anybody who has used uh, some of our traditional uh, practice management softwares for a long time would agree. Like I never had the most up-to-date Avmark version. You know why? Because there's always bugs. Mm-hmm. And so if you're doing, if you're upgrading just for the upgrade, there are cons to that. There are pros, right? You get new features, you get things ahead of the curve, but there are also significant cons in the learning curve that goes along with it. And the reality is in your average veterinary practice, to your point, nobody's got time for that. And so yeah. I, I don't, I agree with you. I don't think that that is where most of us want to strive to be. I think it's about finding that balance. Yeah. Well, I mean, think about, you know, think about technology in general. Um, there are definite downsides to racing to be a first adapter for technology. You know, you think of like the old Betamax and like no one had that after, you know, any amount of time. What were the, right. what were the, like the DVDs that were really big. What were those things? They weren't Blu-rays because that became a thing that stuck around. Oh, yeah. But, um, oh, they, had them, they had them in, at school. Yeah. Like that's how you would watch your, like when you moved off tape, that's how you would watch your like science videos and stuff. The hell were those things called? It was like a record size DVD yeah. is what it looked like. I remember that, like those things, I remember seeing them at the stores. Nobody that I knew had them, um, except for my uncle. So my uncle is one of those... <laughs> My uncle is one of those, like, he loves technology stuff. And as soon as it came out, he had it. And as a result, he had a lot of cool stuff. He also had a lot of weird stuff that, like, was going to be big and then just never was. And I'm like, why do you have this? And he was like, there was a time that this was the next big thing. The laser uh, discs. The laser discs. (laughs) Yes. I was like, Google, because what the hell are those things called? Imagine going hard on laser discs. Yes. Like, that's, Yeah. That's, there, there's there's definitely a problem with being a, to racing to get up first in technology. And so that's why I say I can be a little bit crotchety here. I think, it's, I think it's wise. I think there's definite downsides to racing ahead and being super cutting edge, unless that's your jam, unless you're like, I love it. I want to do this. I've got the resources to do it. I'm all about it. I think for most of us, it's okay to look at where people are. And this is, I guess, is part of my big takeaway with with keeping up with the times is I want to meet people where they are. And we talk about that a lot in a lot of different contexts. Same thing here. It's like, you know where people are? They're on their phones getting texts. They're not in their voicemail. They're not talking on the phone. But but that's where they are right now. Um, I think I think people are, are looking, you know, for, for more telehealth and, and more convenience. I, I think convenience is where people really are. What can we do to, to, to bring convenience about? 
And at the same time, we, you know, we have to, we have to balance those things and sort of say, okay, I want to meet them where they are. And I need to be able to balance the needs of our practice and not feel like I'm a slave to, to technology innovation necessarily. I, again, it goes back to what is the why? Why are we doing this? Why are we making these changes? And where are our clients? And I, I think that, that I mean this, I mean this metaphorically, where are they? But I also mean it literally, which says, um, you should consider the clients you actually serve, not the clients that you imagine in your mind. Because if you're in downtown Manhattan, um, you're going to see a different clientele than if you're in uh, Fort Jenkins, Texas, which is not a real place. <laughs> but just so you know, if it does exist, if it did exist, it would be a small town in Texas. That's not at all like Manhattan. <laughs> fair <laughs> but here's here's the thing like i think that that is true and i think that there is a lot to be said for looking at the data and the research and who do we serve because i will tell you so i when i moved here this is a largely still a retirement area um everybody advertised in the phone books still when I moved here. And that was only eight years ago. Um, <laughs> and yet when I looked at our actual client base and I started asking questions of the actual client base, they were online. You know, they're older people, but they, to, to your point about your track coach, maybe he didn't actually have a cell phone, but maybe he did and just didn't want everybody having the cell phone number. Right. Yeah. And Which is super progressive. It is. <laughs> That's why this blows my mind so much. Yes. If he could be a complete Luddite, <laughs> He could also be living in 2030 where people are like, hey, the cool thing is to not tell people you don't have a cell phone. Like, I can't tell where that guy is. But I'm sorry, but go ahead. But but for real, like we know that the fastest uh, the generations that's I mean, when you look at who is using a social media tool like Facebook, which is where a lot of veterinary practices still are. It's their, the fastest growing market segment for them is older people. And so mm -hmm. I think part of it is, to your point, about meeting our clients where they are at. I do think that part of the headspace is about doing your homework. And really, um, I think as a whole, we need to open up our minds and look yeah. at what the research is, is saying. And it was really interesting to me. So I like, I mean, those of you who've been listening to this podcast know I like I like spreadsheets. I like numbers. I'm super nerdy. Um, and my brother-in-law and my sister-in-law are both in, in marketing. And my sister-in-law in particular is in uh, human healthcare market research. And so I really like super nerdy uh, <laughs> market research stuff. So I was looking at some studies uh, in preparation for this episode. And I thought that it was super, super interesting because in the human healthcare side, 40% uh, of people were saying that they find barriers to online access to healthcare. And I was like, well, that tracks with veterinary medicine because by and large, the majority of us put up significant barriers for our clients to have access to us. Now we do it for a good reason because we're trying to protect our team and we're trying to find balance. And to your point, we uh, can't, it has to fit with what we're doing. And so there are reasons for it. But when we look at 
the reason that veter in the veterinary space that clients are switching practices is super interesting to me because we've did a study and 35% of the pet owners in the study listed a lack of digital access as a reason for switching vets or the access to digital care and or digital access to the practice as being a reason why they were attracted to a practice, that 35% is huge. So I think it is really important to look at our existing client bases and start asking the questions of what do they actually want? And so from a headspace perspective, I do think it's important to do some homework, look at the studies. There's numerous ones. Um, Banfield uh, has done a lot of research with outside companies outside of veterinary medicine, looking at market research from a pet owner's perspective. Um, and there's some great research out there about what pet owners are, are. People are asking the questions of what do they want and they are telling us. And if we are not actively as practices looking at the answers that they are giving us, we are we are behind the curve. Yeah, I I, compl- I completely agree with that. I, I I do I do agree with that. I, I think that we both see a hundred percent utility in being honest about who we're serving and what they want. I think that when you look at the world, as I said at the very beginning, there's clearly momentum in this direction. Like we're everything is moving towards a more connected uh, sort of digital interface. And I, I just think I think we all have to own that. The, the other part I want to say, you know, as we start to think about technology and making change, uh, technology changes in our practice from a headspace standpoint, is remember to think outside the box. And I think a lot of the real kickback resistance to technology we get is because people make assumptions or they lock their brain in linearly. And so they decide what getting on board with technology or what keeping up with technology means. And they say, I'm not doing that. And they dig their heels in and they react to this imagined reality. And so I'll I'll give you an example because I am I am guilty of this as well. I think everybody (laughs) is as we 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 make sort of a you know, we make sort of a an archetype of an idea, meaning like we get a picture in in our head of what something means. And that's all that we can see. And so keeping up with technology is a nebulous term as far as what the heck does that actually mean? And so, um, you know, I will tell you, there is technology that I am radically opposed to, uh, and it's TikTok. It's, uh, it's, it's TikTok that I have, <laughs> I have railed against TikTok for years. I am not on TikTok. I don't want to be on TikTok. And I cannot tell you how many people who work for me and who don't work for me have been like Andy. You know what the future is? And I'm like, don't say it. And they're like, TikTok. And I'm like, damn you. That's why, like, and, and I, when I, and here's why. Because when I imagine TikTok, I imagine me dancing and like a doofus, you know? Like, like I'm 46 years old. Me dancing on TikTok is not, it's not good for anybody. It's not, it's like, I'm talking, I'm talking to Kelsey Carpenter. I'm like, this is not a, this is not a brand builder, Kelsey. And she's like, should be, we should like, it's growing like crazy. And so I have this knee jerk negative reaction to TikTok because I have the picture of people dancing and popping like little information bubbles. And I'm like, I'm not doing, I just can't, I no shade on people who do do it. It's just not my thing. And I don't, it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. And if you hear this language I'm using, that's exactly the language that people have when they're like, we're not texting people. We're not texting or we're not doing telemedicine. I'm not not doing it because they get a picture in their head of what it would be like. And they're like, we're not doing it. 
I was talking, I was talking to Caitlin DeWild, uh, who does, you know, all sorts of uh-huh. marketing and social media stuff recently. And I was uh-huh. like, I don't know, what do you think about social media? And, and sort of how, what, how do we still use this as a tool? And, and she, you know, she's familiar with all of our stuff and everything. And, and I was like, do you have any advice? And she was like, you should get on TikTok. And I was like, <laughs> Caitlin. And I said, I said, I'm not, not, I'm not doing it. And she said, but here, here's what she said. She said, you're imagining you dancing on TikTok. And like, it doesn't have to be that. Like you can take, you're already doing video content. You already talk constantly. You're telling stories. Just put them on TikTok <laughs> and it'll be fine. No one said you had to dance. That's not even a thing that anyone wants. Nobody nobody wants you dancing, Andy. And it's like, well, I'm like, well, good. Then, we're, and then, then of course, I was like, well, I'd, I could dance if I wanted to. But as soon as I was told not to, I was like, I, I could do it if I wanted to. But, but all of that to come back around and say, you know, like, it just didn't occur to me that this could be a useful tool that manifests in a different way than sure. the weird way that I latched onto. <laughs> and I think that that's true. Like in telemedicine, people are like, they just immediately imagine not being able to leave their house because people were just constantly blowing them up and they they would lose their day off. And like, I think for a lot of people, they're like, the only respite I have from work is leaving the building. And if we start doing telemedicine, it doesn't matter that I left the building because people can pop up on my cell phone and there is right. no off switch for me. And right. like, I go, that that's exactly what I say is, I get it. I deeply, deeply get it. Right. And do you have to reject that kind of thinking. You have to reject the, I'm going to lose my free time if I do this. You have to say, okay, this is a tool and it could be used in a way that would be beneficial to us. And I'm open to discussing what those ways might be mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. without just having a knee jerk, dig your heels in, stomp your feet. I'm not doing TikTok reaction. Mm-hmm. Yep. And so anyway, I... that, that's, that's my headspace piece. <laughs> I love it so much. Um, first of all, <laughs> I I love Caitlin so much. <laughs> she's she's not ashamed. She's not afraid to tell me things I don't want to hear. That's been, our, also, that's been our relationship she... a long time. <laughs> you just made Tanisha Crocker's day. <laughs> oh, I know. She's gonna, she's gonna hear this episode. <laughs> she's gonna be like, I told you so. <laughs> yeah, Tanisha Crocker. I, I met her when she she was at a bar and she saw me and I'd never met her in my life. And she was like, I heard you talking trash about TikTok, Rourke. And that's how I made a friend. I love uh, her. Um, OK, but I'm going to I'm going to take yours and I'm going to one up it because I love it. And I think this is a great veterinary example. Right. So your example of TikTok is so great because you had that knee jerk reaction from a brand perspective with inside veterinary medicine. Right. You said how this is like the dancing and the pointing at things like how is that going to how is that going to resonate with the people that I serve? Like, it doesn't make sense. It's not me. It's not who I am. And you attach to that linearly. The the same is true for um, in our practices. I've had this conversation with so many managers and veterinarians about online booking, right? Which when we get to action steps is one of my basics. If you're not doing it, I'm going to get on that soapbox real hot. So, so, but here's why. Because so many people to your point about telemedicine, think that if I open up my schedule for clients to be able to book appointments online, 
it means the inmates are running the asylum and it'll be pandemonium and clients can be just putting crap on the schedule whenever they want. That's not actually how it works. It can work that way if you want it to, but it is a it is a tool and there are lots of options to refine that to make it work for you. But people think about it so linearly that the only way that they can see it is wide open and clients are going to do whatever they want or not at all. And there is no in between. And we have that very black and white thinking for an industry that lives in the shades of gray. Um, every day, all day, when it comes to how we make decisions about clients and patients, we do so much of our thinking, particularly when it comes to technology, as one end of the spectrum or the other. It is black or white. There is no in between. Um, and it is it, we we have to shift our minds, our mindset. Yeah. No, I, I yeah, I, I get it. I, I completely agree. So that, that's that's sort of my thought on on technology. I think, you know, one one of the last way it's been sort of put to me in the past was um it was when um you know i love i love our practices at uncharted i i love our get-togethers i love our live events so much and it's for reasons like this is i remember being in a room with some really smart practitioners and we were talking about wages going up in our profession and there was this was a lot of practice owners who were in the room and they were like i don't know how i'm gonna how i'm gonna pay for this um and that was the discussion until one of the practice owners stood up and said, hey, listen, the thing that has helped us the most is recognizing that we've got, we've got to raise our wages. We've, we've got to. And so given that we have to raise our wages, how are we going to do this? And that's the question we've been asking ourselves. And that was transformative to that session and to that conversation. Because suddenly it went from a lot of, I, you know, I just, I don't know, and I don't want to do this, and, and, and the client pain is going to be this, and, and sort of all this sort of wrestling with this idea. But when it was reframed as, this has to happen, how can we make it happen? Suddenly the conversation got so much more productive, mm -hmm. and it was so mm -hmm. much more problem-focused, uh, and it just, the whole thing unlocked. And so I say that because, to me, technology is a lot of that way as well where we can absolutely wrestle with, I don't want to do this. This is going to be so much work. It's going to be such a headache. And, you know, this is just, it's going to be expensive and there's going to be so much training. Mm -hmm. And we can have these thoughts. At some point, it's helpful to step back and say, this is going to happen. Mm -hmm. We are going to have to move into the new era. How are we going to do this? And then start getting serious about what your options are and what you're going to do and what you're not going to do. But getting past that whole circling around wrestling with anxiety and the headaches and kind of woe is me i have to do this and just going nope given that it's got to happen how are we going to do it and how is a wide open question i really do think that that's a very productive mindset oh, i love that and i think that's a good spot to take a quick break and then come back and talk about the actual how how do we do the thing Hey friends, it's Stephanie, and I wanted to pop in here for a second because I never thought at this point in 2023, we would still be having this conversation, but here we are. Every day, I see posts in the manager groups that I'm a part of from practice managers and practice owners who are still, despite where we are in 2023, not using texting to communicate with their clients. It boggles my mind because we know that 90% of text messages are open within the first five minutes after being sent. 
which makes it a great way for us to reach our clients. Now, I know a lot of you who weren't already texting picked it up during the pandemic and you have been off to the races, which is wonderful. And this episode is all about ways that we can take it one step further. And so um, our friends at Simple Texting wanted to bring today's episode to you because they believe in helping us help our clients because we know that our clients want to text. It gives them the freedom to reply when they can. How many times have we gotten a call from our doctor's office or our dentist's office and we're at work and we can't answer the phone? But if we get a text, we can probably reply much faster than finding time to step off the floor for five minutes and call them back. So if you are interested in looking at a texting option for your practice that is simple, that is easy to set up, that integrates with tools that you're already using like Google, Facebook, and tons of others, head over to simpletexting.com forward slash uncharted. They have put together a um, promo for you and you can get $100 worth of free credits when you sign up to try Simple Texting. Again, that is simpletexting.com forward slash uncharted and you'll be able to get $100 worth of free credits if you sign up today. And now back to the podcast. You got you've got some action steps, Goss. I've got two action steps. I've got two action steps. That's all that I've got because okay. this is kind of a nebulous philosophic question and and sort of, you know, episode. <laughs> you but went with the headspace. I, I went did. straight into jumping down my ideas like, for action Here's steps. Here's where you go. Well, so it, the reason I don't have a ton of action steps is because of what I said before about n- know thyself and know what your clients want and who you're trying to reach and what is going to benefit your culture and your values and the practice you want to have and the people that you serve. And so I, I think that there's I think that there's a lot of um, I don't know, a, a lot of personalization here. As yeah. far, I'm, there's sure. certainly, there's not many things that I'm like, yes, every practice should do this. There's just practices are so different. Um, and so I don't, I don't necessarily jump right into that. The big things I would put forward as far as action steps are um, consider what you might do, right? Going back to the, what I said right before the break of if we're going to get on board with technology, if we recognize the world is going this way and we're going to have to go in this direction, how do we want to do that? And then start looking at what your at what your options are. And then the two big things that I would say to get this done is first, remember your 80-20 rule. Is there are some things that you can get on board with that are going to make a significant impact. That yes. you are going to be able to do them. People are going to use them. You are going to have a big impact on what you're doing. And there's lots of other things that are bells and whistles that really are not going to do that much for you. They're not going to shake the earth. You know, the, the clients are probably going to largely not notice them. You're only going to use them with a certain small number of clients, things like that. Think about if you're going, this is just change management 101. Think about the changes that you can make that you think are going to most significantly positively impact the experience of your clients, uh-huh. your clients. And then, um, and which ones are going to be simple to implement? Which ones do you think you can get your team on board? And then you're going to find the balance of what is simple to implement, what can I get my team on board with, and what are the clients going to find the most value in? And then just do those. Beware of doing summer of technology where we're doing 10 different things. It's like, no, just pick one, implement it, and then in three months, you can move on to the next thing. But my advice is 
Slow is smooth. Smooth is fast. Go slow and implement stuff in a way that that makes sense. So remember your 80-20 rule. 80% of your success comes from 20% of your efforts. Pick the 20% that are going to give you 80% of the client experience you're trying to create. And then after you get that laid down, you can tinker, you can add some bells and whistles. But just be smart about what you pick up because you will always be able to find more things to add if you want to. And the, the other part is this, and, and it's just a little action step about getting inspired. And it's, you know, you and I work with a lot of um, of consultants. We work with presenters, speakers, writers, people like that in, in our industry. And one of the things that they, um, that people have said to me again and again is, you know, uh, they'll say, well, I, I need to get inspired. Mm-hmm. If I was inspired, this would be easy. And I think a lot of us look at, uh, I look at TikTok and I'm like, if I was inspired, <laughs> I could jump into this, you know what I mean? And, and, and really have sure. fun, and, but I'm not inspired. And so I'm going to wait until I'm inspired to do this. And so I have, I have young consultants and speakers through Uncharted that say that to me all the time. And I'll say, look, I, I get it. And it's wonderful to be inspired. But inspiration to some degree is for amateurs and professionals hit deadlines. And what that means is um, I can't sit on my hands until inspiration strikes me because sometimes it doesn't. And so in those yeah. cases, um, in those cases, my, my advice is generally this, is if you're someone who's going, boy, if I was inspired, I could get to work on this. I could really figure some stuff out, but I just need to get fired up. Uh, and this may sound silly, but I promise you, it, it, it works or it can work. Imagine for a second that you were inspired. What would you do if you were inspired? And then write that down. And that's your to-do list. And now go do it. And you're like, but I'm not inspired. Doesn't matter. You have a to-do list. Go do your to-do list. <laughs> and hopefully you'll find inspirational on the way. But it's just silly. It's funny. Sure. I, I'll, ha- I'll have people that come to me and they're like, well, I, wanna, I, want to, um, I want to renovate this practice. But, you know, I just, God, I just, I'm just not feeling it. I'm just not inspired. And I'll say, great. If you were inspired, like, tell me about what you would be doing. Just imagine that. And they'd be like, oh, well, I would be pulling magazines, event magazines, and looking at photos. I would be sort of messaging some of my friends and asking who had a hospital design that they really liked and what do they like about it. I would be doing all of these things. And I'm like, great. Uh, why don't you just go ahead and start doing those things? <laughs> and then we'll see if we find inspiration along the way. So anyway, th- that may sound silly, but guys, I, I, I promise for things like this, it, it can be a really helpful tool. Okay. So I'm going to take your, uh, what if you were inspired and yeah. I am going to, I am going to flip it because I suspect that we have a lot of, I know that we have a lot of veterinarians and a lot of veterinary practice owners that listen to the podcast. And we probably have a lot of people listening right now who are feeling a lot like you and TikTok. And they're just like, technology does not inspire me. Like, this whole conversation that y'all have just had makes me want to run screaming into the forest and live in a box in the woods. Like I have no desire to do it. It doesn't have to be you. And this is another this is another aspect of our linear thinking is that it doesn't have to be you. It doesn't have to be you as the manager. It doesn't have to be you as the practice owner. If we want to know how to communicate in another language, generally, the best success is immersion and we find someone else who already speaks that language, right? So as adult learners, that is that is the number one tenet for learning a new language. And it's the same here. When we're talking about learning how to communicate with the younger generation, pick someone who's younger. It doesn't have it could be somebody who's on your team now. If you have a team that doesn't have somebody who's younger on your generation, younger generationally on your team, 
you can outsource this because there is a lot of the things to your point, pick the pick one thing and do it slowly. And I would agree with that 100 percent when it comes to implementing things that impact the team and the workflow. And I think that there are a lot of things when it comes to technology and communicating with clients that happen on the back end that can have very little impact for the team. And I think that's where we can start. If you are worried about it, you can get a lot of traction and a lot of motion by having one person on your team or somebody that you outsource, whether it's using one of your third party vendors and leveraging somebody on their team, whether it's hiring someone to just do this work for you, because believe it or not, in this crazy world full of technology, there are websites that exist to solely hire people to help with projects like this. (laughs) And you can outsource this like this is something that you can ask for help getting done. There are things like putting online booking in place. Now, yes, your team has to know how it integrates with your software and what the appointments look like when they come in. But that piece of it is so small and the vast majority of it is client facing. It has to do with getting it on your website. It has to do with getting it on your social media. It has to do with getting the thing set up. And that's an area where you can work in tandem with someone else to put a system in place that is immediately going to drop a barrier of access for your clients and give them more accessibility to you using technology that they are asking for um, to be able to get in and see you. And that is going to drive revenue, which in turn is going to allow you to do the things that you care about in your practice, pay your team more, you know, buy new equipment. All of those things come when we, when we practice good quality medicine and we get more clients in the door. So I think some of it is I see where you're coming from in terms of looking at the 80-20 rule and picking one, uh, you know, one thing to focus on at a time and doing things slowly. But, you know, when I sat down and I kind of was brainstorming a list of things, there's probably like 10 things on my list that are what I would consider basics. And at least half of them are things that someone could help you implement in your practice that are on the back end, that are going to be client facing, that are going to have minimal implications for the team in terms of management, because they are things that someone who speaks the language, who likes using the technology could run. And that person doesn't have to be someone on your team. And there are things that you can do to to be talking directly to your clients, which was the which was the question at the very beginning. So I think for for me, I think the action steps have to start with looking at the basics. And there are some barriers that we know we put up for clients. The phones is a big one. How many of us are still using the phones in our practice as our primary source of communication with clients? Yet we know that the studies show that um, clients are almost always put on hold. Like think about the last time that someone called your practice and somebody on your team didn't have to put them on hold, either at the start of that conversation or during the course of that conversation. And we know that after being on hold for it's like a minute and 55 seconds, so it's less than two minutes most the the majority of clients will hang up and a huge number 34% won't call back so think about that if we put clients on hold 34% of those clients that we put on hold are walking out the door and not, not coming back that's a huge number 
And so when I think about that barrier, we have to think about basics. It's doing the things like texting, which our writer at the start talked about, which is which is awesome. But believe it or not, we still have clinics out there who haven't started texting. We have clinics out there who are not doing online booking. And I mean, true booking, like not having clients request, hey, I'd like to come in, you know, on a Tuesday and see, you know, Dr. Rourke and sending an email and going back and forth. But actually, like when I book an appointment, I went this weekend, I took my kids, we went and got pedicures. I can go on the salon's website. I can look at their calendar. I can see what the options are. I can book the appointment. I don't have to talk to anybody. (laughs) I can pick the thing that works for my calendar. We have to start to think about reaching those clients where they're at. And we know that that's something that they want. We've been talking about forward booking in veterinary medicine forever. And if you're not looking at how do we get clients in the door ahead of time, like that for sure has to go on the basics list because it helps us communicate better with them when we already know what the next touch point is. When they're already on the schedule, yes, they may have to reschedule the appointment because we're booking it six months or 12 months in advance. But it gives us that next point of contact versus making our team do the work for it. The clients are already there. They're already saying yes, right? So there there are things like that we've been talking about. Since COVID hit, we've been talking about digitizing our forms. And a lot of us did that in the beginning for the basics. But how many of us have continued that? There are still so many practices that are paper forms, for all of the things, new client forms, anesthetic permission forms, um, you know, boarding forms, like we have got to think about how do we lower that barrier so that clients can come in, drop their pet off and go out the door. And so I think for me, the basics really start with some of those things, but there's all kinds of cool things that practices are doing. And this is where, to your point about inspiration, One of the things that I love the most about our Uncharted community is that we have some of those practices that are doing things that when I heard of what they were doing, I was like, holy cow, that seems so cutting edge, so progressive, but it's about finding that inspiration. So it's about talking to your peers, seeing what other practices are doing, because to me, the basics, the things that I just talked about, like those are things that we should have been doing five to 10 years ago. If you're not doing that, that's where you have to start. But for most of us, we're doing those things. So what are the ne- what is that next step? How do we, which is what the the writer was asking, right? Like, how do we go beyond the basics? How do we start engage with them? And to me, it's about getting inspiration. And I would look in veterinary medicine, but to be honest, like this is where I, as manager, always leaned outside of veterinary medicine. What is human healthcare doing? What is what are dentists doing? Um, dentists have tr- ha- have a very similar model to veterinary medicine in a lot of ways. And I have been consistently inspired by what my colleagues in the dental field have been doing for years. Things like being able to, you know, offer preventive care plans, looking at making it personal, right? Like knowing our clients, knowing who they are, using a a client relationship management tool, a CRM, um, to know who our clients are, right? When you go to the dentist, your dentist always, my dentist anyways, always asks me, hey, you know, how 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 are Riley and Jackson? Like they know the kids' names. They know what activities they're involved in. They know about my family. They know what I do for the work for work. Hey, how are things at the clinic? They, they don't remember all of that. They write it all down. And it's things like that that are that that millennials, that Gen Z, when we look at the data, there are a few things that they really care about. And that personal touch that 
um, small business feeling statistically in market research has been proven over and over again that it is something that Gen Z cares dramatically about. And so starting to look for that inspiration, both inside veterinary medicine, in places like the Uncharted community, in places like some of the, you know, even some of the groups that you can find, um, you know, online and in, in like on Facebook, seeing what your peers are doing, talking to them when you go to a conference, having those conversations. That's why I love Uncharted so much, because we have that community that feels like the conference that never ends. So we don't just go one time and the conversation ends, but asking your peers what they're doing and looking outside the box of veterinary medicine. And I think, you know, to your point, when we were getting ready to start the section, I was like, dude, I have so many ideas. Um, and I think this is one of those episodes where I'm going to be like, I'm going to want to write a blog article about this because I think that there's so many things that we can do. And for me, to your point, it's about finding that inspiration and really doing our homework. And so for me as a manager, it was about who is my client and making that archetype, looking at the research, finding out what is it they're, they're actually asking for when it comes to pet ownership. And for millennials there's and Gen Z, there's really like one, one two, three, there's five real buckets uh, that market research has demonstrated. And so I would approach it like, what are the buckets? What are the things that they care about? And then to your point about how do I minimize the impact on the team? What are things that we're already doing that fall into one of those buckets? And then what are simple things that I can build on that I can put in each of those buckets and slowly but surely work on strengthening those relationships and speaking their language in more intentional ways? You can't go from zero to 100, right? We prove that over and over again in the practice and we most often fail. We've got to figure out what are those baby steps to get there. And so for me, it's about doing your homework, looking at the data, looking at the data that has been brought over into veterinary medicine for us, um, figuring out who that who our existing client base is, looking at what are the things that we are already doing, and then getting that inspiration and figuring out how do I put that in that system in place. And let's like we have to stop thinking linearly that like we have to be the ones to do all of this and think about what are those things that we can do in the background that don't impact the team's day-to-day -day workflow that can allow us to speak to the younger generation, younger generation of veterinary medicine in ways that they are going to immediately soak up and love. Yeah, no, I I, I like that a lot. I think this is I think it's super smart. It's always good to take a data-driven approach, but no, I, I think that's a, I think that's a great balance of. Uh, Looking, like I said, the nonlinear thinking, it's about looking at, at stated best practices. It's about uh, remembering who you're trying to serve. Like I said, um, there are people who have very progressive uh, tech forward uh, client bases. And there's people who have the opposite of that, uh, who are definitely not tech forward progressive audiences or client bases. And again, I, I think it's it's knowing it's knowing your people. So I, I like I like all that. I think that. Um, I think that makes a lot of sense. And I think I think that's just a good approach. I, again, fall back into, if you're starting to feel overwhelmed, fall back into keeping up is a process. It's not a destination. This is, this is not going to end. Pick the things that are going to help the most, that are going to make the biggest difference, get them in place and move forward and move forward. And just know that we're going to have to keep, we're going to have to keep adjusting. I am confident the world is going to look very different five years from now than it does than it does now. And so people go, well, I'll just wait five years before I do anything. And I was like, 
I'm pretty pretty sure it's going to be a a building process. You know, um, it's going to start yeah. now. It's going to. I think it's. Gonna, I think starting now, and again, starting now and being intentional, I, I think makes yeah. a lot of sense. But yeah, yeah, I really like your idea of delegating it too. I think that's that's this is absolutely something that can be delegated. You can mentor a young leader, find someone who it's their passion, and support them. But yeah, I, I think that 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 makes a ton of sense. <sighs> I want a soapbox, but we're out of time. No, that's it. You can, we'll, we'll stop recording and then you can just soapbox to me if you want. I'm I'm going to, I'm already, my mind is uh, is running. I'm going to, yeah, this is this is you one of those ones. Soapbox so in the Uncharted community. Just go just go in there and start posting like, and talking guys, to people. Andy and, wouldn't let me talk on the guys, podcast today, so now I'm going to give it all to you. Everybody huddle up. I got something to say to you. But yeah, yeah. If you're like, well, boy, I would really love to hang out with some really smart, innovative <laughs> practice leaders, managers, head techs, medical directors, practice owners, um, and get some ideas about what they're doing so I could pick the best path for me. Come on over. Join the Uncharted yeah. community. Jump in 24-7, 365. It is a vibrant, engaged uh, community that's always happy to help. So anyway, that's all I got, Stephanie Goss. Me too. This was so fun. Have a fantastic week, friends. Thanks, everybody. Well, gang, that's a wrap on another episode of the podcast. And as always, this was so fun to dive into the mailbag and answer this question. And I would really love to see more things like this come through the mailbag. If there is something that you would love to have us talk about on the podcast or a question that you are hoping that we might be able to help with, feel free to reach out and send us a message. You can always find the mailbag at the website. The address is unchartedvet.com forward slash mailbag, or you can email us at podcast at unchartedvet.com. Take care, everybody, and have a great week. We'll see you again next time.